Life was bitter to the core There was nothing to live for Until love came My name is Harold J. Perkins And at the age of 17 I was selling drugs And on my way to an early grave While sitting in my house with about 10 guys God gave me an out-of-body experience And I was lifted above the room I could see everything moving in slow motion After that I got up and put those guys out And I cried out to Jesus Christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. Let me uh, say right up front that if you really want to know God and have him impact your life with good in a way that only God can, this may be the most important message you've ever heard. I'm going to continue uh, talking about uh, what God has done to make us the righteousness of him. But the reason it's so hard for many believers to embrace the magnitude of what God has really done in giving us such a wonderful gift is that they have missed the true nature and character of God and missed the relationship he wants to have with us. Most have got the relationship backwards. I'm going to explain how later. Jesus came for three primary reasons, many reasons, but three primary reasons. One, to redeem man back to God and get God's nature back in us. Secondly, to give man back dominion on earth. And thirdly, to be an exact reflection of Father God. The exact reflection is what I'm going to focus on to enable you to see our Father God for who he really is and the relationship he wants to have with us. Now, I'm going to take my time with this. uh, So I want you to see this. If I don't get through all this, I don't get all through it. But I want you to see Father God for who he really is. The first thing I want to do is establish from the Bible that Jesus came to be an exact reflection of God. I'm in Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three. God, who at sundry times and in diverse diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high now we see here that jesus is the express image of god i'm going to go to john chapter 14 verses 8 and 9 a philip says this to jesus he says uh, philip says unto him lord Show us the Father, as it suffice us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how say you then, show us the Father? Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All that Jesus did was a reflection of Father God's heart. 
Now, you're about to see Father God's heart by what Jesus did before he left earth that most have missed. This should blow you away and enable you to see that most have this relationship expectation backwards with what God, our true Father God, wants it to be. Now, I'm going to read in John chapter 13, and this is prior to Jesus leaving, and this is basically the last Passover that he's having with his disciples. Now, listen to what it says. I'm in John chapter 13. I'm going to start reading at verse number one. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. Now, now I'm going to stop for a minute. Now, notice it says here that Jesus knew that now everything's been placed into his hands, okay? He knows that. And here's what he does after knowing that. He rises from supper and laid aside his garment and took a tile, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now, we got to look at this. Jesus now knows that all power is given unto him, and what does he do? He serves. He gets down and washes the feet of the disciples. Now, let's understand something. He's a true reflection of God. So here God in human body is washing the feet of mankind. It looks to me like God is serving his people. Let's continue to read. I'm at verse six. Then he comes to Simon Peter and Peter said unto him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, in other words, Peter was saying, Lord, you're not, you, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And Jesus said unto him, what I do, you know not now, but you shall know hereafter. Peter goes on to say, Peter says unto him, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, if I wash not your feet, you have no part in this with me. Wow. Isn't that something? See, let me tell you something. What, let me show you what Peter's attitude was, okay? Peter's attitude is like most of the church is today. God, you're not finna wash my feet. I'm serving you. I'm going to sing in the choir to serve you. I'm going to give to the homeless to serve you. You see that? Where God is saying, I want to serve you. And then you're going to see as I go on that God wants us to serve people out of him serving us. Let's continue to read. Verse 10, Jesus said unto him, he that is washed needs not except to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, you are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you. Now keep in mind, he's a reflection of God. 13, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your master wash your feet, 
then you ought to also wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Now, I want you to notice here, if Jesus is a true reflection of God, then God wants to serve us. And we are to serve people from his service to us. He said, I have served you as your master. Now you go out and you serve others. But most are like Peter. No, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You are God. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to sing in the choir for you. I'm going to feed the hungry for you. Look at me, God. I'm serving you. So bless me because I'm serving you. Look at what I'm doing for you. Now, based on what we just read, here is what should be the attitude that we have. And that is this. Lord, I receive your service to me. Thank you for your love. I believe and receive all that you said you would do for me because you love me and you are my God providing everything for me. And because you blessed me and served my needs so well, I'm going to serve people. I'm going to enable a people to be blessed by my singing in the choir. I'm going to bless the poor and serve them as you have blessed me. You see the attitude change. I'm going to love people because you have loved me. God wants us to serve people out of his service to us. Now, this attitude of receiving the Father's service to us and Jesus' example of serving people out of gratitude of what God has done for us will cause our relationship with God to be very fruitful. Listen to a few examples of God's heart to those who got it. There was a few people in history, they really got it. Listen to this, Genesis chapter 15, verse number one. And this is uh, the Lord speaking to Abraham. He said, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying, fear not Abraham, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Does that not sound like God wants to serve him? I, he's saying to Abraham, I'm your reward. I'm your shield. Romans chapter four, verse 21, it says that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised he would perform. Abraham was not trying to perform and serve God. He let God perform for him. Let's look at another example. Uh, in I'm in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. This is where David had messed up. He slept with Bathsheba, um, who was a wife to someone else. And the prophet Nathan is coming to say, okay, you busted. And here's what Nathan says to him. And Nathan says to David, you are the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hands of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wife into your bosom and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto you such and such things. Wow. Look at the heart of Father God to serve us. And David got it like Abraham did. In, in Psalms 57 two, David said, I will cry out to God most high who performs all things for me. Like Abraham, David got it, and David had a heart for people just like Abraham, and they let God serve them. 
Now, I've shared in these episodes a number of different things that God has done in my life. And now I realize uh, as I'm coming more into this understanding of really the character of God, I understand why. See, when I got into this thing, I said to the Lord, I'm not going to read all these things that you did in the Bible, all these miracles and everything, and not see you do these things in my life. So I had an expectation of God performing for me. And boy, has he performed. And the best is yet to come. Now, I'm going to show you what will happen if we look for God to perform for us. And we have a heart to serve people, not to serve God, but to serve people. I'm going to 1 Kings chapter 3. And this is the situation with Solomon. And here's what happens. I'm at uh, in verse number in 1 Kings 3, verse 5. And Gibeon, the Lord, appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. So God is asked in Solomon, what do you want? Verse seven is where I'll pick up when Solomon responds. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitudes. Give, therefore, your servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and and bad. For who is able to judge this your so great a people? Look at Solomon's response to, to what God asked. And now let's hear God's response to him. And the speech, please, the Lord that Solomon has had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, neither have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your enemy, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern judgment. Solomon had the people in mind, not serving God, but serving his people. Verse 12, behold, says, says the Lord again, I have done according to your words. Lo, I have given you a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like you before you, neither after you shall any arise like unto you. And I have also given you that which you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto you all thy days. Listen to this. Look at the heart of our Father God. He wants to perform for us. We are to let him by believing and expecting him to do great things for us because he loves us. We let him serve us and we have the attitude that we're going to serve people. We're not going to serve our own agenda first. We're not going to look to do our own thing first. We're going to learn, we're going to look to serve him. With this true picture of God's heart, it should help you to receive the magnitude of what the depth of the love God has for us is by giving us his righteousness. When you understand it, there is no greater gift that God has given us. Now, some may say, wait a minute, Harold. God gave Jesus his son. He was God's greatest gift. Well, if you go back and remember the first message I gave on the keys of the kingdom, 
I shared how Jesus was given so we could be made the righteousness of God. Getting God's nature in us was the greatest gift, but it took God's beloved son dying for us for that to happen. God made a promise to Abraham. Let's read that promise that he made to Abraham. He said this in, Gen in Hebrews 6, 13 and 14. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Now, you tell me what can be greater than being blessed like God is blessed and being multiplied to be like God. Tell me what can be greater than that. In Ephesians uh, uh, 4, verses 23 and 24, it says, we have been created after God in righteousness and true holiness. This is what is in our spirit, our God lied to Abraham. Now, God's nature is not in our bodies, but it is in our spirit. This loving God has brought us to the level he is. Wow. If you study a little bit on what being seated at the right hand of God, and I'll go into this in later episodes, but we're seated with Christ. There is no higher place than that. He's brought us up to his level, but he's done it in a way that if we don't stay submitted unto him, the power, the glory, and the anointing will not work. When we start smelling ourselves and thinking we are greater than others and we are all that, we are headed for a fall. Jesus was God in the flesh and he took no credit for being good. He gave it all to his father. Listen to these verses, Luke 18, 18 and 19. And a certain ruler asked him, Jesus, saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why call you me good? None is good except one, and that is God. Wow. Jesus was saying, I'm only good because my father is good. All the good you see in me comes from him. This is the true righteousness of God. This is the understanding that God, knowing that all the good in us is from God. Okay. I'm good and I'm just because of what God has done for me. Now, what he did in me is the reason I'm righteous. Now, this will keep us humble as God does through us in this day, the greatest work he has ever done through his people. Now, some of you have been so messed up by religion that even though I have supported what I said with chapter and verse of the Bible, you still have a hard time believing that God wants to serve us. If him wanting to serve us is not true, then Jesus was not a true reflection of God because Jesus served us. I'm going to get into righteousness more, but I'm going to end with this. There was a man by the name of Tommy Hicks. You can find a vision of Tommy Hicks on YouTube. And Tommy Hicks had a vision of this end time. And the reason I'm sharing it here is because in his vision, he saw people moving on the earth. He thought it was going to happen sooner in his lifetime, but it didn't. That's usually how God, when he gives the word, we, we tend to think that it's going to happen right away. But that has yet to happen. It's about to, okay? But in his vision, here's what he was surprised at. He was shocked 
that people were moving in power. And these were ordinary people. They were not big preachers. They were all from all walks of life. But what, what shocked him was he knew people that had a relationship. Well, he thought they had a pretty good relationship with God. And God came to them with this anointing and they rejected it. They rejected the move of God. Now, I, I understand what that was about. I, I had a dream. And in my dream, it was it was a commission of what I'm doing actually right now. And in the vision, basically what the Lord was saying to me, most of the body of Christ is not going to receive the revelation that you carry. Most of the body of Christ, he said, is not going to receive the re revelation you carry. And I understand why. Because it's too liberal. It's too free. And we have been so in in uh, bondage by religion about do this, don't do this, do that, don't do this, that we have missed the liberty that God wants us to have. But maturity says, give me liberty and I'll submit it to you, Lord. I won't take my liberty for granted. And as we mature to that point, then we will, we're about to see the greatest move of God that the world has ever seen and the question you have to ask yourself is, are you going to be in the middle of it or are you going to be standing on the sideline? Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay, we'll see you on the next episode.